Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. Liquidchurch.com, living water for a thirsty generation. Now, we're live on the web. to see something that doesn't currently exist. A vision is really a dream. Some people say, I had a vision, I had a a dream. The ability to envision a reality in the future that actually doesn't currently exist in the present. And many of you here are, you know, visionaries, whether you know it or not. But as a community, it's been my hope that we're being driven by a vision to become the kind of church that only God can get credit for. I mean, vision in a church, in, in any church... But in our church in particular is, is crucial. In fact, there's a Hebrew proverb that cautions this. Go ahead, Nick. Without vision, the people perish. <laughs> well, tonight I want to welcome you to Liquid because whether you're a member or a first-time guest or listening on the internet, tonight is actually about vision, about discovering who God is calling us to be as a church and why we exist. I mean, what does make our church unique? What makes us different? Not better, but different. Why do we do what we do? Well, to answer that question, I want to share with you just a quick story about two of the newest members of our church family, just to put a personal face on what we're going to be talking about tonight. Vision, I mean, is like an abstract concept, but it needs to have a face. And so I want to show you two faces. Here they are. This is actually Darren and Stephanie. And they came to Liquid last month after they were invited by a friend to our Finding Faith in Rock and Roll series. Now, Darren and Stephanie are, in many ways, are why we do what we do here. Um, They're both in their 20s. They actually met not so long ago at the, uh, I believe, the Colorado Cafe, doing a little line dancing, a little boot scootin' boogie. And uh, and they met there and actually became became a couple and uh, and dated actually for a year, and then Stephanie found herself pregnant. And when they learned they were going to have a baby, they decided they wanted to start their family right with God. And so they figured going to church might be a good place to start, but there's a little problem with that. Uh, Stephanie is a believer. She's someone who gave her life to Christ, but hadn't been to church in years. And Darren grew up Catholic, uh, but kind of only went only at, you know, Christmas, one of the CEOs, Christmas, Easter only, if that, you know? Never really opened the Bible for himself, whatever. Well, enter God, or should I say, God entered a friend of Stephanie who told her about Liquid. And Stephanie went to our website, and she emailed me, and I remember her note vividly because it had in the subject line, spiritual help desperately needed. And... You know, in her note, it's like when you see that, like you want to read that right away. And in her note, she described her situation and she said, I'm writing you because I want to know if it's true. And I was like, true? What's true? She asked if it was true that our church was an accepting place that everyone is welcome and not judged. I mean, she had experienced kind of, you know, judgment, traditional church setting, and and Darren was in no rush to return to dead rituals of the past. And I said, yeah, it, it actually is true. We are... We're a grace-driven church. It's a message of grace. It's about God meeting us in our lives when we have blown it and accepting us as is. No strings attached. And I said, you know, you should come on out, you know, next Sunday. I'd love to meet you in person. And, you know, sometimes when I get emails like that, I don't know if they'd ever come or not. But that Sunday, uh, we was actually the rock and roll series. We were using the Beatles song, uh, Help, I Need Somebody, as a springboard for the gospel. It was amazing afterwards because this guy with the goatee, I recognize him. He's coming towards me, and he's, his, eye, his eyes are kind of filled with tears. And it was Darren and Stephanie. And he said from the moment that he and Steph walked in, he goes, it was like I felt at home. And they were warmly greeted by our hospitality team. They connected deeply with the music. 
He's like, I want to know more about this Jesus. I was like, well, do you want to talk? And we, we grabbed an office backstage, and, um, and it was amazing because uh, Darren started talking about wanting a fresh start. He was going to be a dad-to-be, and he wanted to do this thing right. And he's like, I have blown it. And I was like, do you want to ask God to accept you? He's like, yeah. I was like, well, let's pray. And so we bowed our heads, and, 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 and 15, 20, 25 awkward seconds went by with no one saying anything. He <laughs> said, I don't know what to say. <laughs> And we talked about it. It's like, just tell God your heart. And it was an amazing thing to watch this young father be just humbly admit all of his, you know, flaws and failures. God, just honestly, one of the most honest hearts you'll ever see in Darren. And just invite Jesus. He said, I need you and I want you in my life. And it's stuff like that that makes my job the most incredible job out there. Just incredible stuff. So he accepted Christ into his life that night. Now, I want to fast forward to last week because this is the punchline. Darren and Stephanie are like pumped about their newfound faith, especially as they anticipate the birth of their first child. So we started talking about God's design for marriage. We're like, we should really get married, right? I mean, we want to do this right before God. I was like, yeah, and probably, you know, abstain, you know, sexual purity is important if you really want, you know, God's blessing on this. They're like, we want to do this thing right. I was like, well, great. Well, let's, you know, we can start talking about wedding plans. They were like, how about next Friday? <laughs> Literally, like, are you, are you serious? Yeah, they're serious. Last Friday, Darren and Stephanie got married right here in this church center. So it's just like celebrate. You know, God, God, God gave us a new brother, a new Christian family is forming, and they're like bringing a new baby boy into our community. You know, from the birth of Liquid, which is about six years ago, actually in the basement. We had a baby in the basement. A Sunday school class with about 12 people. And that started broadening out as we thought about reaching those who aren't here yet and who perhaps have given up on traditional church but are willing to give a fresh expression of Jesus Christ a try. And as God's, you know, blessed our ministry's mission, which our mission is simple, it's actually to lead our generation into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. For some people, that's starting a relationship for the first time, crossing over that line. For other people, it's turning around, coming back to something they abandoned along the way. As we've really, you know, expanded that mission, we've really sensed it's time to actually launch out to reach even more folks that we, than we really can here at our current home at Millington Ministry Center. This has been our home for the past six years. We were, we were birthed, as I said, out of a Sunday school classroom basement. We actually went off-site when we outgrew a Sunday school class to a tavern about a mile down the road, church in a bar, rock. And, uh, and then we came back here for a Sunday night gathering, and we launched our first worship service, actually, right after September 11th. And so when you realize that, this is actually, this October is our five-year anniversary. Did you know that? And from the very beginning, we've always existed. We've tried to say, for those who aren't here yet, for, for Darren, for Steph, and for those who are still missing from God's family, and who Jesus misses deeply. In the middle of one of Jesus' longest recorded teachings, he told a series of three stories about missing things or missing people. And in your Bible, in Luke chapter 15, um, you get a glimpse of what's at the heart of God's dream, what drives his heart. Jesus tells these three stories. One is about a lost sheep, the other about a lost coin and a lost son. And it begins by talking to people, and he's like, um, you know, he's an agrarian culture, so he's like, I want you to imagine God's like a shepherd who actually leaves 99 sheep to find just the one who's gone missing. And when he finds that sheep, he goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors and says, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 people in no need of rescue. Jesus lays out this little story there, and people are like, huh. He says, let me put it another way. And he tells a story about a woman who loses uh, one of her ten coins. And there's significance to that because when you got married in, in Judaism in the ancient world, you were given ten coins. And when she lost one, a relationship is missing here. And it says, she lights a lamp and she scours the place frantically looking for this lost kind. And when she, she finally recovers it between the floorboards, she has a similar response. She calls up her friends and her neighbors, gets on a cell phone, text messages, and she throws a party. And Jesus says, he says, that's the kind of party God's angels throw. Every time one lost soul turns to God. And if you didn't get that one, he tells a final story. The story of the lost son, or as you might know it, the prodigal son, yeah, about this kid who actually, this one's not so much just going missing, but he kind of thumbs his nose at his father and says, you know, I want my inheritance, which is just a polite way of saying, I wish you were dead. <laughs> and he sets off, he actually gives him the money, and he sets off and just wrecks his life, sows his wild oats, literally eats the oats with the pigs, and finally, just squandering his life, decides, what am I doing? And he says, maybe if I go back home, maybe, fingers crossed, maybe my dad will let me be a servant 
Maybe people can, you know, I can scrape the mud from people's shoes. And the story Jesus tells, he says, was something incredible happened. As that man returned home, that son who had said, screw you, to his father, an amazing thing happened. The father was watching the whole time, waiting for him. And when he saw him coming down the road, he ran to him. And Jesus said, that's what your father is like. And this was amazing news. <laughs> it still is amazing news that God is not actually angry with you. <laughs> he is not here to judge you. The father actually does not give a whipping. He's like, oh, good, my son is here because we're having a public flogging. <laughs> get out the cat of nine tails. Get, get, get ready. No, the opposite happens. Jesus says, the father says, kill the fatted calf. Put a, put a ring on his finger, put a robe around him, sandals on his feet, because the son of mine who was lost has been found. And Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. This is what God is like. <laughs> lost things, lost... The, the picture ends, actually, with the father and the, the boy in an embrace of forgiveness, of love, of acceptance of a broken life as is. <laughs> and Jesus tells these three successive stories to say, that's who God is, <laughs> That's what the father's heart is like towards you. He has a passion for lost people. He's actually frantic, like a woman who lost a coin, or heartsick when any son or daughter goes missing from his family. He's actually willing to go to any lengths to ensure their safe return or their recovery. And he wants actually to go out and find those who are missing and invite those who aren't here yet. So this church, our church, Liquid Church, has always been and will continue to be about the recovery of lost things, the return of lost people, the repair of broken lives. And that mission isn't new or innovative. It was given to us 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ himself who came to this world to, quote, seek and to save that which was lost. And we continue that mission to this day to lead our generation to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And for some, that is the very first time. For others, they're returning to a faith they may once have turned their back on. And, you know, we have all sorts of people, unchurched people who've never heard of Jesus before. Like, what's this black book you're holding up here? Great. Unchurched. Welcome. We made the church for you. But also over-church people. <laughs> maybe that's me. <laughs> you know, maybe been there, done that. <laughs> you heard of Jesus all your life and kind of gave up on institutionalized religion and, and just kind of thirsty for a fresh and relevant expression of what it means to walk with God day to day. <laughs> and that's why we invented liquid, living water for a thirsty generation. Because there are so many people, folks, who are desperate and longing to hear the message, but who we're actually not reaching. Because for every Darren and Steph, there are literally thousands who have no idea that there is a God who loves them, who wants to, to welcome them home and be at the center of their lives, desperate to welcome them back into their family. And, you know, New Jersey is one of the most spiritually arid climates in the, you know, in the entire world. I mean, we live in a post-Christian culture. Uh, actually, a lot of people have heard of Jesus. Lots of Catholic folks, half my family, Catholic, almost everyone's heard of Jesus and actually have said, um, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> For a variety of reasons, whether it was the ritualistic, you know, religion that seemed like just irrelevant, like these priests is up there saying something, I don't even understand it, and even if I did, I don't think it counts. <laughs> or to, to the talking heads on the TV that, you know, said Jesus is all about who we're against, <laughs> who we're judging, who we're condemning, let's throw the rocks. And many people have been turned off to God because of the way the church has presented him. In the Bible, you know, the church is called the bride of Christ. And so a lot of people think, you know, I, I like Jesus, it's his wife I can't stand. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people within a 30-mile radius of this area who are desperate for a fresh expression of grace about a God who loves them, who accepts them as is, and wants to rebuild their broken lives, not condemn them. And we do have the greatest message, but we need the highest skill and vision to present it with crystal clear clarity to a very cynical and kind of hardened culture that's suspicious of what they've seen so far. So Liquid's always been kind of an oasis of sorts for those who are thirsty for something more, for the basics, for grace you know, for acceptance. If there was a slogan, if we could like etch it above our doorway, it would simply say, welcome to our church, no perfect people allowed. <laughs> you know, like saints keep out. <laughs> so the question is, how can we reach more imperfect people? Because Lord knows there's enough to go around and God loves everyone. Well, we're coming to believe that the answer actually is to do something that's a little bit risky, a little bit, maybe something like about time, but to launch out actually as an independent, high definition church 
that's focused squarely on reaching the lost, the people who Jesus misses most. And this is the exciting and kind of scary part of our story, <laughs> the place really where our adventure together really begins. I mean, most of you know we are meeting in Millington Baptist Church. That's this, what this building is. And Liquid has existed for the past six years as a ministry of Millington. And they have been the most incredible, loving, nurturing parents. They were the church that birthed this ministry. But as we've been talking and praying with them over the summer, we're actually believing that it's time for us to leave and to launch Liquid out on its own as an independent, non-denominational church. Now, before I get into the main reasons why we kind of jointly feel like it's a time to launch out independently, I want to be like real clear about just something up front real quick. We're not interested in leaving because of like bad blood <laughs> or like anything like weird or negative that's happened. You know, I know how rumors get started. Someone came up to me the other week and they said, I hear Liquid is leaving because of Pastor Glenn. It's true. I said, it is. <laughs> no. no, not at all. The truth is, from the very beginning, Millington Baptist Church has been a parent who has loved us extravagantly and who we love. You might even know Pastor Pendell. He is, he's like a father to me. Pastor Pendell is one of the most nurturing, kingdom-oriented leaders you will ever, ever meet. And it has been an amazing time to be here because even the elders have been incredible support of the years. They've invested hours, time, and energies. They've given us so much freedom, freedom to experiment, freedom to blow it, to get candle wax on the stage, sometimes too much freedom. But liquid couldn't have happened anywhere else. So the overwhelming feeling and sense of our leaders and community is gratitude. Just gratitude for the support and the encouragement and the resource and all the energy they've spent in helping us realize the mission of reaching people like Darren and Steph. But this past summer, we sensed like Liquid itself was at a crossroads with what we could accomplish in our current arrangement in this building. As some of you know, we peaked this past summer at about 600 people between our two services, which was so amazing to see all of you catch the vision for investing in relationships with your non-Christian friends and actually just inviting them to church. I mean, there's the fruit of it. And quite simply, though, three things have happened since. One is that we've run out of space. And the interesting thing about this is like, wait, how do you, wait, I see a whole pew here. People could sit here. No, what I mean is we've currently leveled out with who we can reach at PM services. We're probably back to about, you know, between four and 500 folks on a Sunday. But here's the deal. We're not going to fit more people. Uh, you know, as the amazing thing was when we had those 600 people, like you invite your friends and like, we're going to roll out the red carpet and then make you park down the street <laughs> and walk up King George Road like, like, you got to want a church bad, man. You got to want it bad to do that. Walk or sit in a folding chair in the, you know, a crowded balcony. So we've investigated options, like adding a 1 o'clock service. You might have gotten a survey about it, but it actually conflicts with the AM services in ministry, so that was kind of shot down as an option. We can't kind of merge in the morning because you're going to have a parking disaster. So the first reason, really, for desiring a launch is, is space. But, but the second is actually strategically. That is, we've begun to understand, as we spent more and more time reaching on church people, how they think. And for whatever reason, I'm guessing like the movies... <laughs> Most unchurched people believe that real church happens, take a guess, Sunday mornings. <laughs> and actually, most overchurched people, most people just think that. And we realize there's a whole huge swath of people who haven't heard the gospel who we won't be able to reach until we can open up a Sunday morning liquid service. And we've kind of defined that as our next step in fulfilling the mission God's given us. So strategically, our vision, when we get more focused on unchurched and overchurched, young families with kids or something, you know, family-friendly hour, 6.30 p.m., not so much. I can tell you, unless you want goldfish hitting the back of your head while you're sitting here, right? <laughs> we realize the next level of growth is going to come from Sunday morning services. So strategy is the second S, our reason behind our desire to launch. But the last consideration has to do with really our season of life, the, the stage of life that we're in. It is hard to believe, to me, honestly, that it's been six years from a Sunday school class, you know, with a dozen people downstairs, and it's been a wild ride. You know, our, our, our growth has truly been liquid, fluid, like a wave, you know, waxing, waning, expanding, but over... The two years, we've made some important choices that have really matured the ministry, myself, and our leadership base. We've actually done a number of things, in, in terming, including the strategic systems of, like, discipleship. You know, how, it's Darren and Steph, Darren's new to this, how, how did we begin actually learning what it is to be a follower of Christ, to become a fully devoted follower? And so now we have a vast network of small groups that reach people at every level, whether you've been in it for 17 years or are brand new out of the gate. We never had that before, so we've expanded that. Assimilation. Assimilation is simply following up on the people who you're inviting, praying for them, welcoming them, and moving them along into commitment. And the coolest thing is, you know, those of you know, we never had membership at Liquid. And we were like, let's roll the dice on this. Let's put this out there. And over the last, you know, two uh, membership classes we've had, we've had 140 people become members. 
And on November 4th, in two weeks, we'll be welcoming 40 more. So we're seeing that kind of maturity where people are like, this is my church. This is where I go. Mine. (laughs) And stewardship. (laughs) Asking all you folks to actually step up to the plate financially to support our growth. And you've responded in an incredible way. Just taking God as word and sacrificing to partner in the mission to reach those who aren't here yet. So we feel like the time is ripe. That liquid is moving into the stage of life where we're no longer the dependent kids. You know, when you're not really like teenagers anymore or college students home from break, but actually you're like young, you're like out of college, maybe you have a job, maybe you got married, <laughs> maybe you got kids like me. It's like, personally, I can't really pass for the next generation anymore, not when you're like 35 with two kids, a mortgage, and aging parents to think about, okay? <laughs> so we're sensing like it's time to do what many families do. You know, you get married, you have kids of your own or something, you, you, hanging out in the same house, you guys going to have its challenges. And so to step up the plate, take responsibility, and you begin making your own home and your own family traditions and life together. And that's a natural thing. That's not artificial. I know in the church that I grew up with, the idea of any ministry or group, by the way, just kind of like launching out independently was like failure. (laughs) Totally seen negatively, like split, division, heresy, betrayal, (laughs) disunity, division. I can't think of, all right, you got the words. (laughs) But not so much, actually. This is a natural stage of development when you look at it through the family lens because we've been blessed to grow up in it with healthy, nurturing parents who've given us the confidence and the resources to actually assume many of the responsibilities that maturing adults take on. So as our leadership team was talking with the Millington elders, kind of praying over the past few months, there were three factors in our desire to launch space, reach the limits of what we can do right here with these services, strategy, we know launching morning services are going to open up a brand new avenue for people who've never heard of Christ before. And season of life, it's time. We're growing up. And I have to tell you that I stand up here before you with, with a measure of sadness, you know? That, that comes with some disappointment because we've, we've so loved it at NBC. In many days, I can't imagine what, you know, what it'd be like not to be, you know, in a church sanctuary with yellow pews. <laughs> that's the honest truth. That, that's my heart. I grew up here. But part of me also realizes this is a significant risk. Like, in setting out on our own, we're going to be giving up many of the comforts and resources that our parents have provided over the years. Like, none of this is coming with us. <laughs> and I can tell you how nice it is. Like, you know, Rob breaks a drum skin. This week, guess what? By next Sunday, bing, the drum fairy has visited. It's fixed. <laughs> I don't think the drum fairy's coming with us. <laughs> and those, but those tinges of sadness or anxiety aren't reason enough to not to follow the mission God's given us. So, we believe we now have the members, the finances, and the leadership actually set out on our own, and hopefully with our parents' blessing, launch a daughter church that's specifically dedicated to reaching our unchurched neighbors in New Jersey. And that's not division. There's actually another word for it. It's called replication. <laughs> and we're excited about the idea that God's chosen our church to multiply that way. It's a little bit like um, the birth early in Genesis, right, of Abraham and Sarah. Remember Isaac? <laughs> birth when his father was how old? About 100 years old, and Sarah, 90 years old, and God says, you're going to have a baby. And they were like, in our old age, what? (laughs) Yeah, name him Isaac, which means he laughs. (laughs) Millington Baptist Church is a 150-year-old Baptist church. And in 150 years, it's birthing a daughter church. Who can you blame for this? Who knocked her up? God. (laughs) So this past Wednesday night... I'm going to regret saying that. I can instantly see. (laughs) So this past Wednesday night, we presented this to the Millington congregation. Those are the members of AM who who can vote at church. And a few things happened. One, they actually approved our revised budget that will actually allow us to really um, support the growth that we're reaching the unchurched. Um, Our budget needs have increased with that. And the coolest thing is your giving has supported that. And it's exceeded what we thought we had. And so we actually need to go back to get permission to spend actually in supporting and reaching the unchurched people that you're bringing. We had to get permission. And they were like, go for it. <laughs> you're paying your own way. You can spend it. So that was a neat thing. And you'll, you'll find out, actually, uh, we were able to expand our staff. And I'll introduce Mike in a, in, a, in, a, in a few minutes. But at this meeting, the best part of it, though, is that we received official um, blessing, the blessing of Pastor Pendel, who, again, with some sadness, the Board of Elders, and the people to launch, because they agree that it's time to. That 2007 is a year we should actually fly the coop and see what God could do if we actually open up more space. So this idea to launch out as an independent, non-denominational church in the new year, I mean, I'm going to talk about timetables in a moment, because there are all sorts of questions in logistics to sort out. I mean, like, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where, where do we go? <laughs> Great, you got an apartment lined up? Uh, 
when will it happen? Like, is this next week? Where well, I know things change fast here, but... <laughs> and then, like, how much is this going to cost? <laughs> okay? Great questions. And the answer to those questions really comes back to vision. Or God's dream for becoming the kind of church that only he could get credit for. I've actually been talking to you about mission, not vision. Mission is actually what you exist to do. It's not what you're currently doing. We exist to lead a generation to growing relationship with Christ. But vision is more than that. Vision is what you're hoping to become. Something that is not currently here or happening. It's about becoming something that we're currently not and growing and evolving to be kind of the church where people actually have to say and go, whoa, now that is different. <laughs> not better, but different. Uniquely created by God to fulfill a one-of-a-kind purpose and calling in this area of New Jersey at this moment in time. And what we're calling our vision is Liquid HD. And most of you know what HD stands for, you know? High definition, you see it everywhere, right? ESPN, now in HD. NASCAR, now in HD. You know, they flick the mud out of the TV on you, you know? How many of you are pagan consumerists? You own an HD television. I want to be your friend. Raise your hand. I want to come over. <laughs> I want to watch the playoffs. I'm there afterwards. I think for you to best understand our vision for launching Liquid as a high-definition church that reaches people in a magnetic way, I need to tell you about a trip I had recently taken uh, to Best Buy. Um, I know, I know. Some of you are like, wait a minute, you're a techno luster. That was a place of, you know, temptation. Yes. I was in Best Buy of all places that really the seeds for a church in high definition were first planted. I go to Best Buy out on Route 10, and like I said, I went in there for cable wires, and uh, I see this crowd in the back, this crowd gathered around this huge plasma TV set. And there are oohs and there are ahs. It's like this little semicircle. I'm not sure what's going on back there, but I go back and look, and sure enough, they're watching this amazing high-definition 1080p signal of these dirt bikes in the Arizona desert. And the red mud is kicking out, and it looks like it's actually going to come out of the screen. And I'm like, wow, that, that is something. How many of you have actually ever seen a high-definition signal? It is very different from television. You're like, whoa, that actually looks realer than real. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unnerving. And so all these people are around, but this is like, you know, Tuesday, middle of the day, so what's the big deal? And I say to the sales guy, you know, there's a blue shirt guy, I feel him hovering over me. I was like, so what's the deal with all these people? I was like, is there a special? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. See, whenever we put the 1080p and this, this high-definition signal in here, a picture with this kind of clarity and resolution always draws a, a crowd, especially on weekends. That's why we got the couches. <laughs> I said, what couches? He said, oh, come over here to the Magnolia Home Theater. I was like, what? And they had this whole room, this whole annex. It was amazing. The Magnolia Home Theater room with, you know, these beautiful, like, cognac-covered leather couches and these 60-inch babies on the wall, you know, mounted, you know. And sure enough, they're playing football, and it looked like the players were going to, you know, come out of the screen and everything. And he's like, yeah. He goes, this is actually the busiest place in the whole neighborhood, especially on weekends. Well, really, I should say Sundays. I go, on, on Sundays? What do you mean on Sundays? He goes, oh, yeah, Sunday mornings around 11 a.m. is when it starts. That's when they start pouring in. That's when this place gets packed. I was like, I go, Pack, packed with who? He said, men. Grown-up men. I mean, they, they st oh, I should go back. They started flocking here on Sundays last fall, right around October, when football season started. Because they heard they could watch the games in high def here. And our store opens up at 10 a.m., but they actually started showing up at 9 a.m. And some of them brought their own food. I was like, are you kidding me? He goes, dude, I'm not, we make this up. He goes, they would stay all day. Some of them would arrive, stay from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then he gave me the pitch. That's the power of high definition. <laughs> He's like, they're not just watching a game. They're experiencing something here. They can't get anywhere else. And that's why we got the couches. And I'm, I'm like, sitting down on a couch. <laughs> He's like, we figured, why fight them? So we created this whole space where they felt comfortable and actually so they could actually bring their friends. I was like, so wait a minute, so what happens? I mean, don't you eventually run out of space? I mean, this is a pretty big room. They got all these couches and everything. I was like, but don't you run out of space? I mean, do they keep coming? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, we don't want them to stay. See, eventually they convert. We ruin them. They can never go back again. They become what we call in the biz true believers. See, what they experience on Sunday is so compelling, they want it for themselves. I'm telling you, I had this conversation on Route 10. I'm like, what is happening in this moment? 
they want it in their daily life, and so they buy their own set. You know, my like, head is spinning at this point because this guy's telling me they've designed an environment on Sundays that's so compelling, so magnetic and attractive that people line up early just to get in because they have this corporate experience that's such highly resolution. They devote seven hours of Sunday to this. Do you hear the language he's using? I'm like, they convert, they become true believers. So I say, so I go to him, I go like, wow, it sounds like these guys, you know, become fanatics. He goes, no, 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 we actually have a different word we use for him. He goes, it's an industry thing. We call them our evangelists. <laughs> and he must have seen from the look on my face, he knew something was up, and he just figured I was confused. He goes, that, that's a sales word we use. Uh, that. I, go, I see, I said, I, I, I see, I see. Yeah, they become our best evangelists, I mean, like salespeople, because they go out and tell their friends about what they've experienced here, what a difference HD has made in their life, and they invite them over, usually, to their homes to experience it for themselves, and then eventually, they come to Best Buy. <laughs> That's the power of high definition. We create this safe, comfortable environment to broadcast a signal, and when people come, they're ruined, they convert. True believers bring it into their homes, daily lives, and then they evangelize their friends. And I'm like just literally looking at him, and I think he saw just, I, it was like dumbfounded, and he's like, so what size are you looking for? <laughs> I just sat on the couch. I was literally speechless. It was like a miracle for me. So the guy hands me a brochure, and he's like, you know what? Take this. Why don't you come back next Sunday? <laughs> and I was like, I work on Sunday. <laughs> he's like, oh, really? What do you do? I was like, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> a, t- a TV showroom at Best Buy is just about the last place you expect people to talk excitedly about drawing Sunday crowds, evangelism, making converts, true believers, but as in a warehouse-like superstore that our dream for launching Liquid as a full-service, high-definition church was first planted, and that's our vision. To become a high-definition church that brings God into crystal clear focus for people who are far from him. Just like HD television is clearer, larger, brighter, more compelling. I mean, in today's high-tech culture, we believe a new church is actually going to be needed to penetrate a hardened post-Christian culture. And it's a high-definition church, one with improved clarity and focus. One that, that has higher resolution than its conventional counterpart to do whatever it takes to present Jesus Christ to this generation. We use the technology, the strategies, the language to present the message of Christ with impeccable clarity to people who are far from him. And it does so in a lot of ways. In fact, this past year, we've actually spent a couple uh, trips visiting model high-definition churches like North Point Community Church down in Alpharetta, Georgia. Anyone ever been down there? Got any people down around Atlanta, Lindsay? It's an amazing church, pastored by Andy Stanley, and um, it was amazing when they told their story because they were like, we had to ask the question, why start another church? You see, in Atlanta, in a 30-mile radius, 5,000 churches. So they said, why would we start another church? Because 5,000 churches, but none of them actually getting any bigger. They're staying the same because they just got sheep shifters. People who don't like this one get disenfranchised, so we go over to that church. Then you go over here, just kind of swapping pews. He said, what if we build a church that actually exists for people who don't go to church at all? And when they started that, and they were started out in a mall, it was an amazing thing. But they actually, when we were down there, it was literally overwhelming. They draw 14,000 people to their weekend services, 70% of whom are brand new believers. They use popular culture in the most creative ways to communicate the gospel. And give easy next steps for people to find, take a step back towards God. Starting point is one of the ways. Learning the basics, you know, where do I even find myself in the story of the Bible? And the whole facility is about creating magnetic relational environments. You can see the one with the Volkswagen busting through the walls. That's like their preschool worship stage. If you can imagine this. They're like, no, we don't have a second rate like children's program. They have their own worship. We're going to show them what it's like to be open with God and communicate and commune with him. And their, their children's center is really quite amazing. You can take a look at it. You can see some of their worship venues here. But it literally, we talk about, you know, we've designed liquid to function like a home. They've literally decorated their church to be a home. <laughs> Not just a metaphor, but a reality. We visited kids stuff, this, where they say our program, our children's program, it's not like adults, kids. Our kids stuff is where kids take their parents to learn about God. Because we know that actually parents, when, we're, when you love on a kid, a person is never more open to what you have to say. 
And so much of their service is similar to ours, but this entire body is like infected with this idea of investing and inviting their friends and putting God in such high resolution that people say, I'm ruined. I have to be there on Sunday because there's no other place I'd rather be. Mike Leahy and I visited Granger Community Church out in Indiana. And um, Indiana and words like innovation and creativity are not words you typically associate together. <laughs> no offense, Midwestern people. But we went out there, man, and we like put our tails between our legs and came slinking back to New Jersey with two big speeding tickets, too, man. That was like, whew. <laughs> but they are reaching people while serving a city. It was amazing. Check this out. They designed their church. They were like, we don't want one of those churches where actually it's just about the Sunday show. We want this to be a place where the community, we serve them during the week. So they hardwired their entire church, Wi-Fi, and they made it so that they put a whole um, coffee bar in called the Connection Cafe. It's better than Starbucks and also $2 less because they said, we want people in this community to come hang out in our church. No agenda, but cheaper coffee, better service so that we can just love on them during the week. And they lit up the whole place. And the church is full during the weeks. It was amazing to us because when we went there, the service is pretty unique. I want you to imagine if you came in here and you walked towards the sanctuary. You'd, if you had kids, for instance, you had kids and you walked towards the sanctuary, you'd see the doors there. And then you'd see these three huge circles, these holes in the wall. And you're like, what? what's with the holes? And then we see parents picking up their kids, inserting them in the holes and letting go. <laughs> I was like, it's one way to do it, man. Get to, get to. Check this out. Depending on how old your kid is, you bring them in, you insert them in what is a tube in the wall that goes down three flights and they tumble out into their classroom. Not a, class, not a classroom with a whale painted on the wall, but out of the whale's mouth. That's literally where kids come out. The parents literally put them in. They can look at a plasma screen above this thing. And the kids actually tumble out, the teachers hold them by the hand, and they wave up into it, and then the parents actually go in and worship, and the kids go to worship. And I've seen it, because, because the best part is, <laughs> Mikey went down the whale chute. <laughs> this is great. So great. Just in the middle of the seminar, just comes tumbling out, this like 6'4 guy. <laughs> you know, people go to an environment like that, and it's like, where could we ever else imagine being? They, they become true believers. And then they become evangelists. And so we've been praying and thinking and dreaming, what if? What if God wanted to plant liquid as a one-of-a-kind, high-definition church that impacts our area of New Jersey in that kind of significant way? And, and the first thing we realize is that, well, that's great, but God's going to have to do some major work. Because, <laughs> like, the prospect of relocating is so intimidating. I mean, where? I mean, we've just begun the process of looking at properties, not necessarily to buy, but to rent or to lease. Ideally, honestly, we would love to find like a warehouse and retrofit it. Kind of fits kind of our, our, our character and, and the spirit of what we do here. Or an office building to kind of convert. And we've begun looking actually all the way down south from Bridgewater, down by the Somerville Circle, all the way up to Morristown, up to the green. Right along that 287, that 78 corridor, so they would have easy access to major highways. Honestly, our ideal, our dream, would be to, um, to be on the seam of a city where we're serving and, 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 and reaching out to our neighbors from the beginning. You know that outreach has been in our DNA from the very beginning. It's always been about who can we reach, who's not being served. We've gone down to Asbury Park to serve at the Gay Pride Parade, which is an amazing event we all participated in that summer. We did that free market outreach this past summer, actually, to Morristown. Three tractor trailer loads of our best to the city's poorest and those in need. And so that's a big part of our launch strategy, not to just buy a building, but to serve a city. So where? God's going to have to tell us and show us. When? <laughs> well, here's the deal. We just actually completed submitting all of the legal work for incorporation as a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. We expect actually to be incorporated by mid-November and actually to receive our tax-exempt status by January 2007. But this is New Jersey. <laughs> we want to be realistic about all that's involved. And so we're actually shooting for a launch date of April 1st, 2007. That's in five months. That's actually when our fiscal year ends. It's a very natural break. And it would give us about five months to gather the resources, train our people, and get our systems in place to make a launch successful. Five months. I mean, some of you are like, man, that's a long time. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's ambitious. And God will have to show up in a major way. But how much? 
Because this is the question that some of you are most interested in. <laughs> I was at first. Because all this, as you can imagine, comes with a price tag. You know, the, the HD metaphor is fitting in that sense. You know, if you want something in full color with vibrancy and compelling environments, it costs more. There's a reason HD TV costs more. It's clearer, it's brighter, it's larger than its conventional counterpart, and the costs reflect it. Well, here's the deal. After, after Wednesday's meeting, I was honestly, I was like thrilled by the enthusiastic response because our people, were, people in the morning were like, this is great. You know what? God's reaching people. We, we, we're going to pray for you. We support you. Go. That is awesome. But on Thursday morning, I woke up. You ever have this one? You wake up and you just go, what did I just do? <laughs> Seriously, like what just happened? <laughs> and, and, and I felt overwhelmed. Like how are we ever going to do this? How are we going to pay for it all? And folks, this is where our story begins. Because if you're just joining our church, you've come at a great time because I have full confidence that God is going to show up in all sorts of major ways. I went through the rest of my day Thursday, just kind of muddled through, you know, like trying to do some email, keep my mind, just kind of being like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? What are we doing? How is this going to work? I can't even imagine, you know, just, Mike, you're going to deliver us, right? You're going to be like Moses, kind of <laughs> help us with this thing. It's like, what are we... By the end of the day, I was just exhausted, just kind of emotionally exhausted. And um, so I'm cleaning up, kind of getting things together. And uh, this is the end of the day. It's about, uh, you know, 6 o'clock. And um, at that point, um, we, I had a visitor <laughs> to my office, um, someone from our liquid congregation who came uh, to our office and said, hey, I want, want to just tell you, um, we're so excited <laughs> about launching a church, um, one that doesn't exist to reach people like Darren and Steph that we just love on. And um, my wife and I are, are really want to be a part of that. And um, we have a gift we want to give you. We want to give you $300,000 for this launch because God entrusted it to us. And we're going to entrust it to you guys. And we are so excited. And... Uh, there's probably something appropriate that you're supposed to say at that moment. <laughs> My response was as unprofessional as it gets. I just cried. I just cried. I honestly just cried. And I cried because I realized that God's dream for this church is bigger than my dream. It's bigger than our dream. It's bigger than even what we're faintly recognizing now or hoping for. Because God, there's only one person who wants to reach lost people more than me and more than you. God. I was in the city on Friday morning. I was meeting with my mentor, and he said, well, one thing's clear. He goes, that's a slap in the face to you from God. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Hit me again. You know, I'll turn the other cheek. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, no. He goes, you didn't get this. He goes, this is God's wake-up call to you. God has bigger plans than you guys even had. And, and I realize that's true. When you think of the lost people in your life. I want you to think of those people who you're like, when I think of oh, those who aren't here yet, if it could just be Joe or Callie or whoever. Think of your friend at work tomorrow in your cubicle or on the commute or at school tomorrow, a family member, friend, your children. Did you know that? God wants to reach your lost son or daughter or grandson or grand more than you do. <laughs> That coworker or neighbor or college buddy that you've been like praying for and like God's dream and passion for reaching them burns hotter than your own. God's heart for the lost is bigger than any heart in this whole sanctuary and it's bigger than this sanctuary can hold. I mean, consider that truth, parents. <laughs> that God's dream to provide a place for your kids who maybe are only like three or four right now to learn about Jesus and grow into loving people. God's dream for your kids is bigger than your dream for them. God is bigger than what we're about to do. And he's going to lead us. He's going to show up in miraculous ways like we never expected and buckle our knees. That's what happened. It was like a curveball. And there's just like buckle the knees. And it was just like, I see. I guess we've got to keep up with him. But he wants us to be a part of it. I can tell you one thing. I don't know what liquid will look like a year from now, where exactly we'll be or what the facility will look like, but I do know that, that, that God's plan for his church is bigger than our small plan. And that's really the theme we want to enter this fall with, that as we look forward to 2007 
and begin preparing ourselves for what God is going to do. On, on Friday, after Thursday's bombshell, I actually met with Mike Leahy and Dave Brooks, who help oversee our finances here, just to decide what to do next. I, I can imagine that conversation. <laughs> we weren't planning on launching any sort of financial campaign. We are actually just going to wait and just kind of get approval and just see exactly what things cost first. But then we realized God had a different timetable. And he's like, I actually would like to start Thursday. And so yesterday, in response to what God did and what we sense he's going to do, we established the Liquid Launch Fund. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask the ushers to come down, actually, to give you some materials related to this. This isn't like, you know, we now want your money. But we want to give you some information about it. Because what we decided to do, because we were like, God's doing something, we've got to catch up, is essentially take the next nine weeks between now and Christmas as the period in which we're going to set out to see what God wants to do through the people here. I mean, now maybe you've been in like a church or a school that's done a fundraiser. You know, you like, you know, they like pick a number and say like, we need to raise such and such by this date. And that's, and that's something we thought of. We're like $300,000. In fact, the individual who, who gave the gift encouraged said, if you want to use it as a matching gift, you can go for it. So every dollar you give up to 300000 you give 50, it counts double, 100 bucks. And we, so we kicked around the idea of establishing a goal, you know, like, holy smokes. $600,000 to raise over the next few months for launching in the new year, for finding a facility, for purchasing all this stuff because we ain't taking any of it with us. <laughs> but in the end, you know what we actually said? We said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What just happened on Thursday was a curveball out of the clouds. <laughs> Unpredictable. No number, no goal, no limit, no ceiling. Because God's dream is bigger than our dream. And he started this campaign, and we're going to trust him to lead it, to provide for us just the amount that we'll need to be the kind of church that he wants. (laughs) Not the kind of church that I want or the kind of church that we could just, you know, get down on paper compared to another, but the kind of church he wants. So practically speaking, we will not have a big red thermometer here next week. (laughs) Every week, you know, the felt goes up. Look at that. Oh, no. This is the no thermometer campaign. And what we're doing is simply inviting you to partner with us financially to realize this vision that God's birthing among us. And it's not about the amount, (laughs) because it is about heart. If anything on Thursday taught me about this, this is about sacrifice, because here's the deal. Some of you are like, wow, man, I'd like to have a rich friend. This isn't a rich friend. The first thing that impressed me with this incredible gift, and really why I cried, is because this couple is not a rich family. This is... This is not living out in, you know, the affluenza castle and like, oh, hey, that's nice, you're starting, here's a few bucks. No. And a million-dollar house, you know, throwing a few bucks away. This is a normal family. And they said, you know what? We were shocked. This past year, God blessed us in a way we had never anticipated nor could orchestrate financially. He just, he did something. And they told us a circumstance. And he said, when that happened to us, we weren't sure why. And now we know why. He wanted to give us that money to help fund the launch of this church. And they gave sacrificially. You know, I'm like, (laughs) this is so out of my realm. I just don't even know what to do. They could have given $100,000, and I still would have cried. (laughs) Or or $250,000. But they actually said this. They said, we we could have given that, but we actually wanted to give something um, that would cost us. That would actually stretch our faith a bit. So this is not about giving an offering. <laughs> that's that's the, your regular giving. That's actually going to be needed to support the work we do week to week here. That we still have those costs. But we want to invite you to join God's dream, and whatever it is He's starting to do. I'm preaching this to myself <laughs> to let His dream be bigger than your dream. And to be a part of it. You know, one of my favorite all-time like orators is you know, Martin Luther King Jr. And you're familiar with his I Have a Dream speech. And I'm just, I've always been captured by that. But it's like, let's amend that. God has a dream. He already knows the people he, he's going to reach in the years to come. And we just have to respond to what he's already doing. And keep up with him. So, 
is not about being a big money donor. <laughs> this church will be built by normal, everyday people like you and me who actually 50 bucks is a big deal for. And it's, it's not just about donating money either to this vision, but your heart to say, yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to pray for that. I want to serve for that. There are a couple other ways you could get involved. I actually want to invite Mike Leahy. I'm glad, Mike, we plan to have you come up here because I'm probably not going to make it through the rest of the sermon. So Mike's going to come up here. Is there a microphone that we have? Mike, you got one over there? Glenn, can we have one, please? Mike Leahy, um, who we're actually officially welcoming tonight as our uh, executive director. Would you welcome Mike Leahy uh, in his family? On Wednesday night, we were able to officially approve and welcome Mike on board, and Mike's going to do a number of things, actually, as we transition over this next year as executive director. But Mike, maybe just real quick, how you came to Liquid and why you're up here? I think it was about four or five years ago that my wife and I were sitting in church. Um, I leaned over and I said, if I sit through one more service like this, I wasn't at Millington or Liquid at the time, I think I might pop. You know, we, you know, I had my suit on, and my wife had her nice long dress with her turtleneck and her little doily on her head because the head covering was appropriate in the church that we went to. Um, and uh, we went home, and we we're just, I said, you know what? It's not that any of the Bible studies are bad or anything like that. I just, I can't, I can't just focus on us anymore. We're a church of like 70 or 80. So there's got to be something bigger out there that we could be doing. And, you know, so we spent the better part of six, seven months. We must have gone between 20 or 30 churches. You know, we had three little kids and car seats, and we walked into the church, and, like, literally within two seconds, I'd be like, I can't believe I'm going to have to keep my kids quiet for an hour of this. Um, but eventually the Lord led us to liquid, and um, it was really the first place where I felt like, one, what I was hearing was God's word, but it was being spoken in a way that I understood it as I went throughout my week. It was the music that I listened to or the things that were being said about God was being spoken in a language that I could understand in the culture that I was living in. And that I could actually use that same conversation when I was talking to other people about Jesus. Because at that point, when I would speak to people, they get this look on their face like, well, that's nice for you, but that's not what I'm doing every day. And that's when I realized that we had found, um, my wife and I, our kids had found a home in Liquid. Um, of course, I was excited because then I could dress like I did during the week at, at church, too, which is even better. <laughs> so you were part of the overchurch. In a million years, did you ever think you'd come work for a church? Absolutely not. Never. That was a me foreign neither. concept to me. Yes, still is. Yes. To me, too. <laughs> As our executive director, Mike, what are the kind of areas of responsibility that you're going to be uh, in charge of? Well, one of the things I really enjoy, I enjoy working with people. As a matter of fact, I enjoy talking with people. Some of you I've probably talked to too long, which I apologize because I love to talk. But I get to oversee the people who serve each week, which is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and it's great to watch other people using their gifts to reach others. Um, one of the things that excites me so much is that so much of the feedback that we get now about Liquid in the first two sentences, what they're saying is, I felt so comfortable when I walked in. And, you know, when you're doing that for 70, you know, when you're an usher for 70 or 80 people, the same people each week, you know, you're bound to just kind of get in a routine. Okay, she wears a hat, he doesn't. But when you're talking about reaching other people and doing that, it gives it a whole new meaning. And to be oversee something like that, that gets me excited. It really does. So working with our Sunday service teams, but then also actually related to the launch of our church, what the, how will you be involved in that? I get to lo- get lost in the minutia of a transition, and uh, actually it's very exciting you know, to go finding a place and then working out the details and what it's going to take for us to go from point A to point B. So really Mike's going to serve as the point person of our launch and transition over the next uh, five months, and um, there are a few ways we want to tell you about that you could actually um, to get involved, and that you actually receive this if you have this flip on the back of the connection card that we usually hand out. And Mike, you want to tell us just kind of three ways that people can get involved that you've highlighted here for folks. Sure. The first thing, you know, and some of you, even myself, you know, when they put on the first line, we'll pray. Okay, great. Of course, we're supposed to pray. But you know, the neatest thing, especially in that. Uh, gift that one couple gave. One of the things they talked about in their gift is that 
what they said is, you know, we've been praying about this for a long time. And it wasn't by accident that we got to this point where we were giving this gift. God had moved in their hearts. And you know what? If we don't pray about this, yeah, it'll, it'll go somewhere. But it's not going to go where it's supposed to if we're not doing our part in praying. Yeah. And I'll admit, I don't know all you, the rest of you guys are like, yeah, except I have a hard time praying. Yeah, me too. I'm totally with you on that. So I know what you're saying. The second, second thing actually is the financial support. We all know the cost when you talk about something that's HD. You know, those combo DVD VCRs that go for $99 are a little bit cheaper than those HD TVs. But at the same time, if we're going to create an environment where people really want to come and be part of something, yeah, we're probably going to have to buy the HD TV. And you know what? Unfortunately, it costs a lot. And so there is a financial piece of this um, that, you know, is going to play a part in the process. Uh, and the third thing is your time and your talents. I had, it was great, after the first service, people were so excited. It was great. This one couple came up to me, and they, the guy, he works for a um, bathroom, you know, remodeler-type company, and he and his um, spouse, I think, said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're so excited. We're going to pay for your bathroom. All the fixtures. And you know what? We're not just going to get the little. It's all going to be electronic. You know? That's our <laughs> gift to you guys. We want to design it because we'll do it right, and we want to pay for it. Wow. And it was, but you know what was most exciting about them giving that gift? It was something they actually cared about. Yeah. This guy cares about bathrooms. It's what he does every week. <laughs> That's a good. You can design the bathroom. I just want to use it. <laughs> Especially if it's electronic. But uh, it spoke to their hearts. I'm like, you know what? You go. You do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's going to take that type of planning. People yeah. who uh, are gifted in construction yeah. or engineering or, you know, countless uh, parts of those pieces of those pu- yeah. the puzzles are going to have to come together. Yeah. The one thing I want you guys to know is the value of having something like this isn't just great a month from now. But let's envision three months from now when we're doing a construction project. And go, oh, so-and-so is great with media. Well, we're just getting to the parts where we have to do lighting. And then we go back to that database and we pull that up. And that's when we call you. Even though for three months you thought, oh, they're not even interested in what I have to do. Actually, that's not the case. We're just not to that stage of the project yet. So I hope you'll give us some patience in there because this is going to be stages for all of us as we go through the process. What's in your heart? What, what has God uniquely gifted you to do? Someone said to me on the way out of the first one, they were like, I love painting. It's like the most therapeutic thing I do. I know it's just kind of like up and down, up and down. I'm your man. <laughs> he goes, and I'll come whatever time. What has God gifted you to do? We don't necessarily even want you. You can give an envelope tonight. If God's moving your heart, you want to you share tonight, respond with this envelope, that's great. But I would encourage you, take this envelope home and pray about it. I dare you to pray about it. I dare you to pray with that man and his wife prayed, which was honestly, they were praying like, Lord, why did you bless us like this? Give us an answer. Tell us why. Show us what we, we should invest in. That for them was financial. What is it your life? What has God given you? Mikey is actually going to be the point person, and he's going to, in fact, be at the back tonight to actually receive these cards. We want everyone to fill out one of these connection cards, even if you're here for the first time. Would you thank Mike Leahy, by the way, and welcome him. Which we're going to ask you to hand that in. Actually, there'll be the ushers in the back just to put this card in, even if you're here for the first time, just like I'm here from the first time. This is, this is a wacky church. Uh, I'll pray for you, though. That's great, totally, but just let us know uh, about that. You can also put these envelopes in. You can give this tonight if you want, or take it to, to, to hold with you. Take it home to pray. It's one of those envelopes you can just stick in the mail. No postage that's necessary, but just ask God. Do you want me to step up to the plate to contribute? This isn't about, like, big money or something like that, but there's something sacrificially that God actually can move you to give, and together, over the next nine weeks, We recognize the scope of what God wants to do. We're going to let him set the thermometer. (laughs) And so the question is, what could God do if we dreamed his dreams? If we shared his heart for reaching the lost and let ourselves go there. So start thinking big, because this is bigger than me. This is bigger than you and bigger than what we've known. I'm glad you're here tonight. This is the beginning of chapter two, folks, (laughs) of something significant. I don't know what. I honestly, and I, I don't even know anymore, I have a vague sense of what God's going to do, but then comes a curveball like this past Thursday night that literally buckles my knees, and I realize, you know what? All bets are off with our God. He already has the vision, 
and he already knows what he's going to do. It's just up to us to keep up and respond and join him in it. Are you in? Let's pray together. Lord, we want to respond to what you're already doing, Lord. I thank you that you're a God who moves out and just stirs up among your people a heart to do something, Lord, that's bigger than what we can think, um, that's more passionate, Lord, than even our small dreams for a dynamic church, but just bleeds about those faces of people who aren't here yet. Lord, you know in your, your plans already the lives that will come to Christ, the hearts like Darren, a young father-to-be, or Stephanie, a mom who you bless, Lord, and now you're starting a Christian family. Only you know that. Um, I thank you that you've given us the privilege of seeing that up close and the invitation to be a part of it. Our hearts now respond to you in worship. We thank you for all you've done through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.